Hello, and welcome to Rocket Accelerated Geek Conversation. This episode is brought to you by Miro. I'm Simone de Rochefort, a senior video producer at Polygon, and I'm here today with Brianna Wu, game developer, and Christina Warren, senior cloud advocate at Microsoft. How we have a packed show today, so I'm honestly not even going to ask how you guys are. I know we each have like a little thing to say at the top of the show, and I am going to throw to Bree because I think your thing is the most important. Yeah. Uh, first of all, Simone, play Gaga Ding Dong. I just wanted to say that to you before we started the show. <laughs> play Gaga uh, Ding Dong. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Well, thanks so, for that. <laughs> so, show today, we actually had to kill this topic. So, uh, just because there's so much stuff to cover this week, uh, but I didn't want it to go by unremarked. Um, you may have read an excellent piece, an excellent investigative piece uh, by Polygon. Uh, Nicole over there did this is very deeply uh, recorded about uh, Cards Against Humanity and some very serious allegations at the company, uh, specifically involving Max Temkin and also uh, a culture of racism and sexism at the company. Um, the work itself speaks for itself. Um, I just know like, we've joked on this show I've certainly been friendly to Max uh, on on Twitter. Um, I we've you know like I ran for office. We certainly reached out to him to donate to the campaign. So I just wanted to take a minute and say I found that piece very disturbing. Um, my first instinct is always to believe women when they come forward with these kinds of allegations. Uh, I think he should address it head on, and uh, I think it's a important story people should read. Yeah. Uh, Nicole is a wonderful reporter and thank you for saying that in better news, the <laughs> evening standard has named rocket one of the best tech podcasts. Woo! We're super Woo! excited about that. Yay. Um, so that's very fun. We, it's on a big list of other tech podcasts. So if you're looking for other tech podcasts, don't freaking read it. You already, you're listening to this one. You've got, you're good enough. Okay. You're fine. Uh, and then, Christina, you were on another podcast this week, which is the only other one that I'm allowed to plug. Oh, no. So I did a podcast. I was featured in uh, Relay's members newsletter. My newsletter. desk was anyway. <gasps> and uh, so so if you are not a Relay member, and you should be because there are exclusive podcasts, um, some of which we will be doing uh, soon and kind of taking part in. And, and there are some other things. It's also a good way to support all of our shows. There's a newsletter associated with it. Um, everyone is asked to show off their desks, and most desks are, shall we say, pristine, and it like looks like something out of, you know, like a like stock image catalog. That is not my desk, and that is not my office. And uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> if you want to feel better about your desk, just look at mine. Is basically what I'm going to say. I hope I didn't affect our friendship by death shaming you <laughs> on Twitter. <laughs> Because I did. I oh, I, I, I wouldn't have shared the other there. photo yes. I shared with you that was not in the newsletter. <laughs> I wouldn't have shared that if I didn't expect it to right. like go well, public. You put that out there and uh, yeah. it's going to leak, Christina. Come on. I, I, was... I know. I know. So yeah. But, but long story short, if you've ever had like your own thoughts, like I feel terrible about what my desk and office looks like, please rest assured it is nothing compared to mine. And uh, I, I'm. it's not that I'm fine with it. It's just that it is what it is. I don't know. It'll be clean someday. I'm really glad that it's a newsletter and not a podcast because I, again, would just simply not be allowed to speak of it if it were a podcast, <laughs> even though it is our own network's content. Right. So, so wait, what, what, just, just super quick, because another topic that we vetoed this week was the Eurovision movie. I watched it in preparation. Christina watched it. Simone's the one that sold us on it. We Amazing. don't have time to cover it this week. Is a great movie. I did a I good job, right? It's you, great. You, yeah, Amazing it's, job. And a, I think th thank you uh to the, the cast. It was fantastic. Oh I my just God. made it sound like I wrote the Eurovision movie. We but wish. what I did was do a good job watching a movie and then making my friends watch it. Um so you're welcome. I've been singing the songs. I've been quoting it. It is just, it is, it is, it's not like another, you know, fart and poop Will Ferrell movie. It's, it's got a lot of heart. Do you know what it I mean? It has so much heart. And that's why we can't, we have to stop talking about it immediately. Because okay, if okay, we, okay. if we do, I will go, I will go okay. on. So Sorry. next week, I think that we should like bring it back, like as a topic, just yeah, so you can go on. For sure. Uh, all right. Topic. Main topic of the day, <laughs> surprising news for 2020, 
everyone is now banning everything (laughs) suddenly and in a good way. So a lot of things happened. The way I'm going to do this is I'm going to quickly run through the things that happened and then we're probably going to talk about them one by one. So YouTube finally banned Stefan Molyneux, David Duke, and Richard Spencer, noted Nazis. Facebook banned a network of anti-government rebels called the Boogaloo Network, I guess. Reddit banned the Donald uh, a year after it put a warning screen on it. And Twitch banned Donald Trump. Temporarily. Temporarily. But like the the whole Trump, the the actual Trump, not just the Donald, (laughs) but the (laughs) whole Trump. Um, So these changes, they weren't like a coordinated effort or anything. There are a lot of factors that went into them. So with YouTube last year in June 2019, they had a policy change under which creators are subject to a three strike policy. And it just happened to be it took this long for these three people to hit those three strikes, and now they're gone. Um, with Facebook, the Boogaloo groups were allegedly, and I believe charges have been brought against them now, um, planning the murder of a federal agent. Uh, so some conspiracy to commit crimes, um, which is a great reason to get removed from Facebook. And uh, as The Verge pointed out in their piece, this isn't This isn't a group that's apparently very unified. It touts a lot of different positions and existed in a lot of different areas. So Facebook ended up banning 220 accounts on Facebook, 95 Instagram accounts, 28 pages on Facebook, 106 groups on Facebook, and more than 400 other groups and 100 other pages that weren't connected to the main group, (laughs) but posted similar content. So basically there was a mechanism that was flipped in Facebook's back end once this conspiracy was detected and they went completely nuclear on this network. Okay. Uh, The Donald gone from Reddit in a big sea change for Reddit, which has always been the self-professed free speech hub. Uh, The Donald was put under, this is of course the like fan group of rotten people who love Donald Trump. The Donald was put behind a screen last year that basically said, hey, this is don't look at this. This is bad. Bad stuff is behind here. (laughs) And in response to that, a lot of the members of the community ended up leaving Reddit. So this is on one hand kind of a ceremonial thing, but it also in in terms of actions for Reddit is a pretty huge one for them to have taken um, just philosophically. And then Twitch banned Donald Trump for hateful conduct. Uh, And by hateful conduct, it meant Trump's 2015 campaign kickoff rally speech. So 2015, oh boy, we're really digging deep in our pockets here. I have no idea what specifically triggered this one other than that uh, other uh, platforms like Twitter and like Facebook have been drawing heat for not um, banning Trump or giving Trump warnings for current things that he's saying. I can only surmise with absolutely no foundation that Twitch was like, you know what? (laughs) We can do better. (laughs) And we're going to start five years ago when everyone else should have. Right. Right. Or, or maybe, I don't know, again, kind of maybe a conspiracy thought is that like all the other kind of allegations that are coming out right now around Twitch people, they're kind of using it as an opportunity to maybe like just clean house, Mm. like uniformly. I completely forgot about that. So Yes, as Christina's mentioned, a lot of Twitch content creators are now being brought up on accusations of just sexual misconduct and harassment uh, and assault by women in the streaming community. Uh, So, yes, Twitch has been getting a lot of attention for its inaction on that lately. And it is possible that this could be related. How do you guys generally feel about this huge, I guess, crisis of conscience in the tech world? (laughs) I mean, better late than never. I also just want to add, it was lost in a lot of the coverage. Um, But uh, Reddit also banned gender critical, which is probably Mm -hmm. the most infamous anti-trans Reddit there. Although they still have one called LGB Drop the T, which is, uh, that's still there and very active. But, um, you know, this is, frankly, I think a consequence of not having many trans reporters <laughs> that mm. work reporting right. this stuff because it just, Casey Newton didn't cover it. No one covered it. Uh, I thought that was a really big deal. Um, you know, as far as the Donald, it's like the 
the horses left the barn, right? Yeah, and, and they'd moved collectively, like, to a different site. Uh, they which, did. Which, yeah. to me, doesn't take away from the ban because you do take away this big platform being Reddit, you know, right. from that group. But that group had also migrated, albeit probably in smaller numbers, to another site. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, there's there's certainly a, a network effect, right? Like, if you're on Reddit reading other things, you're going to, you know, stuff comes up and you're linked to it. And so I, I definitely think it, it it has an effect. And I mean, look at Milo, like deplatforming yep. works. It does. So, so I I think it's I think it's a step in the right direction. I I was disappointed to see Gamergate is still up, but yeah. um, you know, Reddit's doing what they can. Um, another thing we didn't touch on with this story is there's an ad apocalypse going on right now with Facebook. CBS, uh CVS pulled their ads today. Uh Mark Zuckerberg reportedly just said, Yeah, they'll be back according <laughs> to the most recent story. And, oh like, and, and they probably yeah. will, to be honest. Well, yeah. We'll no, see. no, no, they probably will. I mean, like, I, I hate to be like a downer on, on the adpocalypse story, but I, I think that like in Unilever, I think in most cases, this was something that lets brands look good uh, while also cutting digital spending when maybe they already needed to cut digital spending. Like Unilever had already said that they were going to be cutting their digital ad spend. So yeah. them taking the position that we're leaving for this period of time, to me, it's like, okay, you get to look good, but when push comes to shove, the actual, like, there are ways you can advertise without using Facebook, but it takes a lot more work. I was on um, a, a stream last week about uh, on, on Clubhouse, which is this for now invite only app that a lot of VCs use. And we were talking about this, and you know, it's like you can, people are pointing out, like, you can do this, but it takes a lot of work to do it without Facebook, and a lot of people don't want to invest that. But it is still interesting. Like, it's not something to dismiss entirely, but it is interesting that some of these brands are doing that. But I do I do expect that they will be back. You buried the lead. Is, is Clubhouse any good? Just yes or no? <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. Well, I want to talk about that in some future show. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Um, so the Reddit thing, what was interesting is that obviously, you know, the Donald and uh, the, the Gender Critical and some other hate groups, they also banned uh, Chapo Trap House's uh, yeah. um, uh, uh, subreddit, which even the podcast themselves had kind of disavowed. So it went kind of across the spectrum, which frankly, I think is good because A, um, it, nobody on any side is like all good or all bad. And B, like that does insulate them at least somewhat from some of the criticism that oh, we're going after, you know, conservatives when like that's not the case. You're going after people who are violating your policy and spreading hate and and, and harassment and other things. That's a, it's just behavior that's much more concentrated on one side of the political spectrum right now. I mean, I've seen from some Chapo people some some things so wildly sexist they oh, yeah. shocked me. And I'm on Twitter every day. That takes a lot <laughs> to do. So it I I I haven't personally been to that subreddit, so I can't judge it, but it doesn't surprise me that they may have crossed the lines of Reddit admins stepped in. So this is, it's it's good news, I think. Yeah. Do we think though, like, I don't know, what do we think this will do to future communities that crop up? Because it's like none of these things happen in a vacuum. And like by the time they finally stepped in and stopped the Donald, like it had been active for five years and had been Mm -hmm. doing this stuff and had been widely criticized for four years. Like, you know, uh, Steve Huffman, the the CEO, um, got into kind of a tiff with them right after the election and in some some ways kind of like apologized to them and almost like, you know, basically was like, okay, we'll let you kind of do your thing um, because he changed the, the username of one of the posts on the site or something. And, you know, it seemed like for a long time they were really trying to have it both ways. Do What do we think the chances are that, like, going forward, Reddit is going to do a better job actually enforcing its policies as these communities start? Because that is a good question, because I feel like, to Bree's earlier point about deplatforming, we've shown that it works with people who are figureheads of their toxic movements. It's, it's hard harder, I think, to say that about, like, smaller communities that are growing and cropping up. And I think what we saw with the Boogaloo Network on Facebook was, well, when they're all tied together in a vague way and they start to conspire to commit murder, then yes, you can ban like a huge swath of groups no matter what their size is. But I think you're right, Christina, that 
going forward, I, I doubt Reddit would necessarily like unless somebody blatantly tries to make the Donald two. Um, I'm I'm sure there are other communities out there that have are just smaller and have similarly hateful content. Um, and I don't think that Reddit would be as gung ho about like keeping those communities from starting rather than addressing them when they've gotten large and have gotten a lot of attention. I worked a lot with the admins uh, during Gamergate at Reddit, like both uh, admins of certain subreddits and the admins of Reddit overall. And my read on this is culture is set from the top. Um, you know, generally speaking, people in subreddits kind of live in fear of the events because they can, you know, come and destroy the entire thing. So I think from what my interactions with the admin, they're very limited or not limited in what they can do from management. Mm. Management very much sets that. So if management has said X, Y, and Z are internal policies, that bleeds down through the whole system. So I'm actually optimistic that this is going to be a more permanent change. Like, and it, like you said, Christine, it's not ideological. This is not left versus right. This is, can you follow the damn rules? <laughs> so just do that. Yeah, that's fair. Hey, now this episode of rocket is brought to you by Miro. Miro is the online whiteboard that brings teams together. Their infinite canvas is perfect for brainstorming, making mock-ups, organizing files, managing complex projects. They even have templates to help you get started quickly. And you can actually host meetings in the same frame as your collaborative whiteboard, which is super handy because it means you can discuss items as you go. So that is probably for everyone who is working from home right now, which I imagine if you are in tech, which I assume many of our listeners are, is probably the case. Uh, Yeah, working on remote projects can be a nightmare, hellscape, and uh, anything that makes that easier is blessed and welcome in my book. And Miro has over 5 million users and 80% of Fortune 100 companies use Miro. That is pretty impressive. And Miro can integrate with the programs you already use, like Google Drive, Dropbox, Jira, Slack, and more. Start collaborating for free when you sign up for an account at Miro.com slash rocket. That is M-I-R-O dot com slash rocket. Sign up for that free account, baby, with unlimited team members. Go there right now and check it out. That's Miro.com slash Rocket. Thank you so much, Miro, for your support of Rocket and all of Relay FM. All right, we have another Apple update now. So, Apple has been, as you know, if you've listened to our show for the past couple weeks, kind of stepping in it with developers, and that trend is continuing today. So, in some quote unquote unfriendly to developers news, Apple has reportedly canceled contracts for upcoming Apple Arcade games out of a directive to basically fill Apple Arcade with games that promote engagement. And by that, they mean games that keep people coming back over and over and over again, like I did with Grindstone when I was commuting every day. Uh, Bloomberg is reporting that Apple wants players to return to the surface repeatedly, and that theoretically means that shorter one-shot Apple Arcade games like Assemble with Care from Us 2 might not be viewed as positively by Apple uh, to have on Apple Arcade. So, Bree, as our resident developer, I'm sure you have feelings about this. Yeah. (sighs) I mean... I feel like Apple is fundamentally misunderstanding the game market. Um, You know, I I think if you're, there was a piece that Vox put out today uh, um, talking about how the reporters, they can't easily see the metrics to see how page views do, and they're never evaluated on that. And it's like, yeah, that makes it, that makes a lot of sense. That's how you get to good reporting and build up credibility as an institution. I think if Apple is going and judging these games based on, frankly, the same metrics by which you judge an Apex Legends, <laughs> I just, I feel like it's it's really getting off on the wrong foot because you want to build up a library 
of quirky, fun experiences, right? Like that's what you want to do. And you've got to try a lot of different things for that. According to this story, there were a few games that Apple had spent between $1 million to $5 million developing. Y'all, that's nothing. That's <laughs> nothing. Apple is the last, the last company on earth that needs to be thinking about like slashing that budget when so few games are coming out. And especially as they're moving to this unified development stack, which with Apple Silicon, they're really creating a hell of a mess because they're saying, okay, we're only going to have a few games that we're developing for Apple Arcade. And, you know, there are a lot of people that just don't buy games within app purchases anymore because they're subscribed to Apple Arcade. So what they're doing at the moment that they're expecting any kind of game development to follow and use their own tools, they're also kneecapping it and saying, we're only going to work with a few of you. So it just, it just, it's, it seems like a really stupid move, to be honest. And especially right now, man, it's just, it's the worst right. timing. Yeah. That the timing is not factor ideal. factor into like the morality of it or anything, but it's just like, ah, gee. <laughs> right. Well, it was interesting. There was a developer who, um, let me find the person, but somebody had tweeted something last year about how um, uh, McLeod, um, uh, McLeod Strife on Twitter um, uh, basically said that uh, this is what uh, this person wrote like in March of 2019 says, you know, another problem, Apple doesn't have gaming DNA. Sony, for example, uses games to sell hardware and services, but in Sony's case, they make masterpieces like God of War and Uncharted. Apple would be metric driven, so they'd consider a lot of hours play equals good games. And this was something this person said like, you know, well over a year ago. Um, and and that's kind of turned out to be true. And I think that that is a good point that when you get into this kind of services business about things that are not your core competencies, uh, you know, uh, whether it's something like Apple News or it's something like, you know, um, Apple Arcade, you don't necessarily, and, and to a certain extent, even Apple TV, right? Like they had to hire people who actually knew what they were doing because the first attempt was so mm-hmm. dreadful that when you have people who, like, it's not one of your core competencies, your results, you're going to, you know, maybe um, optimize for something like how often are people playing a game rather than something that is more qualitative and, uh, you know, better encompasses like what the real investment is or what like the, you know, why you should be investing in something like this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's dead on. What do you think, Simone? Uh, I just got really distracted because I realized that it got really hot in my room and <laughs> I'm really sweaty. <laughs> no, um, yeah. You're saying it's getting hot in here. <laughs> it's getting so hot take in all here. Your clothes, <laughs> oh. So play some Apple Arcade. I, I, I think <laughs> there's an aspect of this that I, I don't know if it's related to Apple's decision, but it certainly is true of any any service that is predicated on being a thing that you can do during your commute. Yeah. Um, a lot of people aren't commuting right now. And that was my initial thought when I read this was – you know, that's a really good point. I don't think I've played a game on Apple Arcade since I stopped going into the office because I've been playing games on my Switch or I've been playing games on my PlayStation or I've been watching TV. Um, I've managed to keep up with podcasts, but even that has been been a challenge. Yeah, because you really have to find the time. Um, Well, and it's it's not like part of your routine. It's not even so much that you don't have the time because if we wanted to, you could like find that other ways. It's just like your routine is when you're commuting or when you're doing something else, like that's what you do, you know, and now you don't have that. Yeah. You don't realize how many hours a week suddenly have become podcast listening time until like for, I mean, for me, my commute is only about 40 minutes, but you know, it, it'll add up with trips to the grocery store to be a two hours a day probably. Um, and that time is now time where I'm, you know, in my home and I'm doing other stuff. So anyway, I, I I don't know that this has factored into Apple's reassessment of these contracts that it has with its developers, but I would imagine that the games are getting less engagement across the board because people are not commuting right now. 
my other theory on this, I, I totally agree with you. My other kind of theory on this, and I would love your, uh, you two's opinion. When I found out about this news, I actually kind of used it as like, I saw um, uh, Federico's tweet and he was like, yeah, I actually canceled a couple months ago because I hadn't seen anything that I would really liked. And I actually was reminded that I still pay for Apple Arcade, but I never use it. And so mm-hmm. I actually canceled. And so like on the 23rd of July or whenever it would renew, it'll, it'll go away. But even putting any of this aside, like, like I, I'm not defending, you know, the punch in the gut this must feel like to the indie developers, but I do wonder, like, has Apple Arcade even been successful? Because like the the signals that this shows is that maybe not that many people have subscribed, but I would kind of argue like I really, other than I think I played the Choo Choo Rocket game um when that came out, but I've seen almost nothing that really like made me want to come back and play it even as part of my routine. Am I alone in that? So this is, I, I agree with you, Christy, and this is the problem with iOS. It, it's, yeah, they, Apple is not the first platform to try to develop like its own identity. Like PlayStation faced this when they came out. Sega did it. Nintendo did it. I mean, uh, PC is faces. Xbox, absolutely. And it's not unknown how you do this. You've got to go and create experiences that people want that they can't get elsewhere. And I think the problem is when you really think about the games on Apple Arcade that they invested significant money into to develop it, what is it? It's Oceanhorn 2, which is Target Zelda. Right, like you've got mm-hmm. Target, Target Link uh, in a game that isn't really, uh, you know, it doesn't play well with the touch screen, right? So you've got a device here that's it's really good at, at narrative content, and it's really good at these, you know, fun, pain, time wasting games, puzzles. But it's puzzles, but it's not good at creating a Gears of War or a Crash right. Bandicoot. So I had a very different reaction when I read that story. It's like, some games have cost as much as $1 million to $5 million. I'm like, are you kidding me? If you're serious about developing Apple Arcade, you need to be spending a million dollars on just like the character design of figuring out who the hell your mascot is. Mm. Like the problem is you're underfunding this. So get serious about it. You're Apple. You've got billions of dollars in the bank (laughs) and come back to it because it's like the game I remember the most is uh, what was it? Un- unassembled, the disassembly game where you're assemble with things care. Up. Right. Assemble with care. That was a great experience. I've never played anything like that. It was emotionally moving. That's something that is worth paying for. So figure out how to make more experiences like that, but don't kneecap your developers when you're halfway through, you need them or this is yeah. just going to fail. <laughs> They're definitely, I'm still subscribed to Apple Arcade. um, And part of that is because I'm pretty sure because I work for Polygon that I can write it off on my taxes. (laughs) Um, And I definitely remember having seen games just recently that people have written about that I've looked at and gone, oh, cool. I should download that when it comes to Apple that are coming to Apple Arcade that I've said, oh, cool. I should download that. Um, I cannot remember what they are off the top of my head. So this is a poor (laughs) argument. However, I will say I I probably, I likely will stay subscribed, at least for now. And I do believe in it as a platform. And I've enjoyed a lot of games on there, as I've said on the show before. Um, Fan of the concept. However, yeah, it's, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of people feel the way that you do, Christina. Yeah, no, and, and to be clear, like, I like the concept. That's why I um, subscribed. I, I just haven't found anything that's really, I guess, like, pulled me from my Switch or from my and other again, consoles. And again, like, how much does that change because you're not riding a bus for I mean, and an that's fair enough. I think, but, right, but I think it's interesting because I do actually, I'm like, I'm one of those people who still, like, you know, buys certain in-app purchases and, like, plays puzzle games. And there are things where I'm, I'm on my phone, like, all the time. But mm-hmm. I think to Bree's point, there hasn't been like, I guess, maybe a unique franchise. Like, I think even if there was a space where take the commute away, if the same game is going to be available on Apple Arcade, um, you, you know, or another 
or, or my Switch, I can't think of a universe like where I'd be like, yes, I would prefer this experience on the iPhone. Right. And I also think it has an identity problem. You know, when Apple TV, the, 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 the network was coming out, we said we thought we were worried Apple was going to shy away from difficult subjects, right? Yep. And what are the shows that put out? Morning Show, which I think is one of the most true things about uh, the MeTube movement that's totally. ever been put in you know, media form before you've got defending Jacob where you've got Captain America, like defending his kid that probably murdered another kid. That's some heavy Mm. stuff. You've got truth be told, you know, a show about racist murderers in jail. I mean, it's some heavy stuff there that they were willing to go. And it's, it's good TV. It is. Look at Apple arcade. All those games have the clay, children-friendly look to it. And I'm not saying I want Manhunter 2 or Splatterhouse <laughs> from, from Apple Arcade. But what I am saying is uh, their Danganronpa game was called Tangle Tower. And it's it's when you try to make Danganronpa kid-friendly, it just... I've heard really good things about Tangle it's a Tower. Great game. It's a great game. I enjoy it. But what I'm saying is all the games on the platform kind of have that same vibe to it. And I just think until they're really like assemble with care stood out to me because it was something I hadn't seen before. Mm -hmm. And I feel like they're very, at least from the outcome, it just seems very tonally pleased. What is their battle Royale game? It's not something cool looking like Apex Legend. It's pieces of of food battling each other in a one versus one hundred <laughs> game. And I'm just right. I'm just saying there's oh no God. there's no artistic vision making you go do you know like there's not a cuphead. There's not right. there's not anything greater. No, there's not a cuphead and and there's not even like, you know, like an untitled goose game, right? Mm. Like that's on Mac, but it's you know not on iOS. I mean, even something like overcooked, which would be perfect for yeah. like iOS, like genuinely, like if I were them, I would just freaking buy like that developer. Right. Because that would be a great platform for that, for multiplayer and for other stuff. But yeah. You've all made some very compelling points and I feel you. And now <laughs> <laughs> all right. For our very final segment today, we're doing you know, something often when we have a really big topic, we bring on a special guest who can speak eloquently and intelligently to that topic. And we really like to reserve those moments for the the biggest, most hard hitting stories of our time, which is why we are bringing on Amanda yes. Jean today to talk about some YouTube drama. So Amanda is an editor of award winning queer speculative fiction. She loves to yell into microphones and I am going to welcome her to the show. Hi, Amanda. Hi, thank you for having me. Noted uh, YouTube drama historian. (laughs) (laughs) Our DMs are like half YouTube drama videos and half K-pop videos. And um, so Amanda is going to, I asked her to prepare a short summary of the current drama that's happening right now so that she, we could speak to it Um, because it's spread across (laughs) thousands of videos, each one of each of them an hour long. So Amanda, can you please tell us what the heck is happening on YouTube right now? I mean, I'll do my best. (laughs) (laughs) I I realize that not everyone else has endless hours of free time, even during this (laughs) pandemic to pour into watching all of these, (laughs) Um, especially because a lot of this goes back many years. Um, So the most recent hubbub is about basically four key players. There's Tati Westbrook. She's a beauty guru and she owns a a makeup brand and also has like skin, hair, nails, vitamins. She has those things. Yeah. She's, she's a whole human. She's an entrepreneur. (laughs) (laughs) There's also um, James Charles, who's a extremely famous YouTube beauty guru, makeup artist, and uh, who does some makeup collaborations with Morphe Cosmetics. There's Jeffrey Starr, uh, noted MySpace edgelord, and <laughs> the villain of YouTube. <laughs> yeah, villain. <laughs> uh, with a, a massive YouTube platform in the beauty community, but also as a brand owner. 
And there's Shane Dawson, who um, was a major player on YouTube for many years and sort of dipped his toe into the the murky waters of the beauty community by collaborating with Jeffree Star, first on a docu-series about Jeffree Star, and then um, they became friends and ended up making, like, Shane Dawson makeup, essentially. Which I bought. Yeah, I, 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 I should I should note to, to, to readers, I totally bought the palette and... I yeah. Anyway, yeah, yeah I have the I conspiracy palette and the mini controversy, and Same. I'm I'm never buying Same. any more Jeffrey Starmer. Like it's never happening. Same. I'm done. Right, but I just I was don't thinking want... about this today. No one leaves it was the good house. Stuff, I'm not gonna lie. Like so, makeup. Yeah, I don't wear makeup. Probably no. not that important. Right uh, I want to rewind <laughs> the moment when Christina called our listeners readers. <laughs> oh, <laughs> but you know, yeah, go on. Sorry. Look, it's 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 textual. It just happens to be audio. Don't at me. What is listening if not reading for the ears? <laughs> Fair. <laughs> so what is the deal? So the deal is, um, in order to contextualize the current round, you have to know that about a year ago, Tati made a video, which she later deleted, called By Sister. Um, and it was directed at James Charles, who she was kind of a mentor figure towards. Uh, he did her makeup for her wedding. They were close. Um, and she basically put out this video saying she was really uncomfortable with a lot of James Charles's behavior. Um, specifically, she thought that he was... Um, Hmm. Predatory is the word you're looking for? <laughs> she yeah. didn't she didn't say predatory. <laughs> okay. But that was the implication. But that was the implication. It was heavily implied that he was predatory, especially towards straight men. And there was also some nitty-gritty about like their personal relationship and how he had taken a sponsorship from her direct competitor and she didn't appreciate it. Um and uh it has since come out after she has deleted this video and the video did what it did, which meant um James Charles lost a lot of subscribers. And Jeffree Star came forward and did actually say James Charles is a predator. James Charles is a danger. I have, you know, evidence that he has victimized people and it's all going to come out. And then Jeffree Star sort of went, oh, you know what? Actually, I'm, I'm over it. Like, I'm not going to release any of my so-called receipts. I'm not going to get into this. I'm over it. I'm a better person. I need to stop doing this. And the <laughs> only person, <laughs> the only person's career who really suffered as a result of that long term was Tati. I mean, I you would say James Charles. Charles too, but he seems to be flourishing. And I think no, he made because he made a response video. Yeah, he did that. That was like bananas. So yeah, sorry, go on. No, it's and it's and here's the thing: is like I'm I'm trying not to say like this is my personal opinion of the events that went down, but like at the end of the day, the person who seems to have come out of it with uh, the most damage is probably Tati and secondarily James Charles. Um, Jeffrey is fine. Uh, Shane's kind of in a mess too. I mean, you know. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, yeah. Now they are, but 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 this was this was like before two weeks ago. Yeah. This was a, this was like it happened like May June of last year. There was a whole lull where nothing happened, uh, really, except for occasional little pop ups of scandals. And Tati like moved back to Seattle and and you know was trying to focus on launching her makeup. And Jeffrey was launching his stuff. And Shane Dawson was doing the second. Um, Jeffree Star docu-series and releasing his makeup collaborations and it was all, you know, it was all going back to quote-unquote normal, except um, Mm. in our current circumstances where a lot of people are finally being taken to task for things. Um, and I shouldn't I should say, like Jeffree Star has been in trouble a lot. Shane Dawson has been in trouble a lot. James <laughs> yes. Charles has been in trouble a lot. But they still keep seem to keep flourishing and seem to keep making money and making deals. Um, but most recently, a lot of stuff about Shane Dawson's racist and problematic and gross content kind of came out because maybe a lot of people were too young or too disinterested to know that that was the content he used to make. And with Jeffree Star, like, I don't know that it's ever been a secret, but people seem to think that he is, you know, making a good enough product to ignore it, I guess. <laughs> yeah, and I th- and I think part of the reason that, that the Shane Dawson stuff cropped up again was that he went on a Twitter rant that he later deleted where he basically, like, told the beauty community to go F themselves. <gasps> yeah. And that set off people that, who were mad and, like, took umbrage at what he was saying to find more uh, receipts for, for people who aren't in the YouTube world. That's, like, you know, that that's the, the proof to find the old videos and, and old podcasts. Clips. To, and... to bring things up again that many of them had already been discussed in the past. People just move on because drama happens every day. But this time, um, uh, 
it, it happened again, and then like Will Smith's family got involved. Yeah, there was there was a lot of Shane's posts because, as I mentioned, he wasn't originally in the beauty industry or the beauty YouTube space, but he, with his collaboration with Jeffrey, walked into that world and said, "You know, I love it here. I really want to spend all my time." doing this and really making it a huge part of my life and then walk to that back because he was like oh y'all are just so toxic and awful yeah and yet the people <laughs> he's surrounding himself with are like noted racist jeffree right. star <laughs> well and also we're new to drama queens like the first time yeah. we ever talked about shane dawson on this podcast was with TanaCon, which i yeah. still think is like one of the greatest moments in the history of the internet yeah and he made a, an objectively great like three-part series of of YouTube. I mean, that was like whatever else is is true about him or or not. Like that was objectively great content. But so. but this is what I read very differently about this now, Christy. Is after uh, after uh, Toddy came forward and she's talking about all this stuff. I you watch his apology video and you realize he's inserting himself into the drama to of kind of, of, of guide it his way. So I read, I thought those videos were amazing, but I read it in such a darker way. Oh, right I mean, now. I don't disagree with that. I'm just saying like, regardless of what's true, because I don't oh, yeah. think any of this is true, to be totally right. honest. I think all these people are liars. Just being <laughs> honest, I think they are actually, I think all I of them are full of stuff. I have a different theory. But, but, but I'm tank. saying like, and I think I, I, I hate them all, yet I love them all. I'm just saying, I don't care if it's true or not. It's just objectively like good content. Like, I don't care if it's if it's false. There's a reason that was a seven hour episode. I mean, yeah, you know. <laughs> I would say that the the Tanacon video for me is, is the perfect example of this because it's showing like two years ago when we first talked about Shane Dawson on this show, he was finding drama and making content about it. So for him to say yes. like, oh, "I'm so over this drama. Why are people it's making like, drama around me?" It's like, Bitch, what are it's, you it's doing? Like, it's like, it's like you hang out with Trisha Paytas and Tana and yeah. these other people. Like you, you go after it. Like I, yeah. I personally am not a dramatic person. However, many of my <laughs> friends are, and I am the first to admit. Oh, I love the drama. Like I don't personally maybe want to be involved, but I'm totally over here like snacking on popcorn and watching. And yeah, probably on the side like saying stuff to rile people up. Like you know, like yeah. So like my hands are not clean. You know what I mean? Like I feel like Shane Dawson is the same way, except he does insert himself. Like he mm-hmm. always has. And anyway. if you look at the subject of his most recent series that he's known for, like the Tanacon stuff, the Jake Paul stuff, um, and then the two two instances of Jeffrey, like these aren't well liked people. Right. They're divisive figures who are surrounded by controversy. And for someone to shape their career around that and then say, oh, y'all are too much for me. I can't right. take it. My mental health can't take it is like, sir, you made this bed. <laughs> exactly. It's <laughs> just like sir, brand now. It, sir, you created this genre that many other people followed and you've profited from. And if anything, the first Jeffrey coll- collaboration, in my opinion, opened up his eyes to how much money he could be making but wasn't. Yeah. Which is why the second series was all about how they were going, how Shane was going to become a multi-multi-millionaire. Yeah. Oh my and God. he he did become a multi-millionaire if you, you know, do yeah. the math on how many pallets and, and items they've sold. Plus, Jeffrey's now handling his personal merch mm-hmm. and he's getting a better slice of the pie there, too. Um, and actually, like, some of this went down during a restocking. So it's like, how much of this is really about right people's personal beep and how much of it is about just getting your name trending on Twitter? Right. Okay. So, okay. So, so, so Jeffrey and, and Shane being canceled, but then what happened? Like, I guess, can you talk to us about the monetization and also about the Tati stuff? Oh yeah, of course. Um, so, uh, <laughs> listen, I'm ready. I've wasted so many hours of my life for this. <laughs> this is, this is the one excuse Same. I have to have this terrible hobby. And it's <laughs> Amanda, I feel you so hard. Like I want to be your best friend. And so we, I want to get in like a, a text convo with you because no DM one but time. these two will talk to me about this. You can, so. yeah, you can reply when I can't. <laughs> Please. <laughs> I texted Simone right like a couple hours ago. I was like, "Oh, Trisha made a video yeah. about Tati. Like, I can't keep up today." But um, to sort of scoot back into the the narrative, if there is one. Um, I should also mention, uh, at some point uh, during the second Jeffree Star series, the one that was ostensibly about Shane delving into the makeup world, he teased a a trailer that essentially was filled with drama. It was, I would say, half of the trailer. Yeah. 
And when he dropped the actual series, it kept not being in the episodes or being very um, curtailed in the episodes. And he eventually was like, I just didn't think it was the place for it. And like, it was just reopening old wounds because at some point, like James Charles had come out and said like, you know, this made me actively suicidal and Tati was clearly suffering. And I think because Shane wants to paint himself as like a good guy and wants to keep his popularity, he couldn't actively dig into a wound where people had more or less taken James Charles' side Mm -hmm. Um, so that all happened. And, um, now that these receipts are being dragged up and people are saying like, hey, Shane did blackface. Hey, Shane made this an appropriate joke. Hey, Jeffrey has been known for this. Jeffrey has been known for that. People were kind of saying it's time for Tati to come out and, and, and talk about her side of things because now we have even more context. And so she did. Um, right. But before that, uh, uh, YouTube actually dropped advertising on Shane's videos, which... She did that pretty recently. Yeah, exactly. Before the Tati video came out. Like, it, that was in response to his other problematic stuff. But yeah, that, that was before the Tati thing. And that, I was like, wow, because he's a much bigger creator for them than, like, a Logan Paul. So uh, that was yeah. kind of interesting. I do think because Logan Paul, um, y- you know, he had his massive scandal with the essentially filming a dead body and putting it on YouTube to be monetized. And then he had his ads taken away, but they were reinstated in three months. And I think that unless Shane Dawson just leaves, I think that's mm-hmm. probably a similar case. Right. I think that, he, and he posts so infrequently that I think he could go another six, eight months before dropping whatever content and then his ads and his monetization would be back in place. So I'm not Eesh. super, like, I'm not worried about Shane oh. Dawson. So I have some comments because I want to go through these one by one. Uh, So there's (laughs) – I, like you, Amanda, spent way too much time today watching the apology videos, which are beautiful, beautiful, amazing train wrecks. All of them are bad. Like it started with Jenna Marble's apology video for her past – for her past like blackface. I thought that one was pretty good. And then you get into Shane – Also, not to defend her, it wasn't blackface. She – was overly tanned. She imitated Nicki Minaj, and I'm not. <laughs> I'm not that. gonna. Okay. G- I'm not gonna litigate that. That's not a conversation. Uh, no, that I actually I am because because she. I was watching at the time, and she like was getting way too tanned. Like I'm not saying okay. she looked good. I'm and saying that like her regular face looked like that. Like she okay. wasn't adding was, makeup to look. Okay, dark. okay, but back to back to my point. Sorry, I mean, Jenna, Jenna came. Yeah, not touching that. Uh, Jenna, Jenna did her thing. I thought it was very uh, genuine. Um, with Shane, she could either change the behavior, or you can uh, you know, give a quick apology and move on from that. His apology, he's like framing it like, "Look, I am the worst person on earth. The worst person that has ever been born. I'm terrible. You should not love me." And it's he just made it so worse because it's the worst of like not feeling genuine, but also not really addressing it in a way that is productive. So I actually walked away from that feeling much worse about him. Does that make sense? Oh, no, it that does. Total yes. Totally. I, I had a similar reaction. And, also, and to clarify, pause. I'm not defending Jenna Marbles. I'm just saying there can be a discussion of, I don't want to like classify that because I think it's a very specific thing. I think thing. that anyway. we don't get to decide what's blackface and that the <laughs> difference between literal makeup blackface and imitation is not my decision to make. I I agree with that. Okay, I I, I do agree with that completely. Fair enough. All right, so tell us now about the Tati's response video. Sorry, we we segued into the the (laughs) demonetization thing. Yeah, of course. So Tati came out with this this second video almost a year later uh, after her bi-sister video to basically say, um, and I should note actually that 90% of this video was a pre-prepared statement that she had cleared with her legal team. So she wasn't (laughs) deviating much from it. Um, And there was a lot of discussion about whether or not that was disingenuous or fake or whatever, but she clearly feels she has to vet these things. And the gist of this video, which was 40 minutes plus, was essentially... Uh, the video that I made about James Charles, I deeply regret. I apologize apologize to James Charles. I have apologized to him in person. We figured it out. We've compared notes. I posted that video because of manipulation and lies from Jeffree Star and Shane Dawson. And part of that was, um, you know, Jeffrey had shown her, it's it's allegedly a voice memo from a supposed victim of James Charles's and probably other stuff because Jeffree Star is known for sort of hoarding blackmail material. Because <laughs> uh, uh, he's and the so villain. <laughs> he's, he is, like, 
if you tried to write him in a novel, it wouldn't work. <laughs> well, he reminds me of, did, did any of you ever watch the amazing HBO series Oz? Yeah, I yes. did. Yeah. Okay, so he's Ryan O'Reilly. <laughs> Oh my god! Oh, no, I hate it. Are you sure no, he's not it. Keller? No, he's he's O'Reilly. Because if you think about it, O'Reilly, every murder in the first season was done by, was done at the behest of O'Reilly, but none. But O'Reilly like didn't commit any of them. Okay, like okay. He, he like he set everything into motion, and like it was responsible for all of that. Now, look, Ryan O'Reilly is my favorite character of that show. God, so that's I hate making so this comparison. Much about you. <laughs> Yeah, it really it does. does. But but he's he was hot, and I loved his character. Having said that, though, like Jeffrey Star is the Ryan O'Reilly of YouTube, and oh and I I hate that that's true, but it is. He, it's also like he self professes that he managed to like back in the day he was involved in a essentially a social media site where he was um, manipulating, controlling, and sort of preaching to the masses of that site. Like that is part of his id. He loves to be um, a big important person in a tiny pond. Or in this case, a huge pawn. He's got millions and millions of fans and subscribers. So, yeah. Yeah, there was a really interesting comment from the psychology that also went through uh, Tachi's video as well. And uh, he was saying, you know, one of the things they've, they've learned in psychology is, you know, gaslighting absolutely exists. But what they see a lot with people who are assigning blame to things is they say X, Y, and Z manipulated me into doing something or, or the other. It's true you can be pressured into doing something, but it's gener- it's generally something you already want to do. And yeah. you know, with Tachi, she's an adult woman. She's 38 years old. And I just, I'm watching her. And first of all, the video is 40 minutes long. It needed to be about 35, like tops. <laughs> it's a bad video, but I'm just going like, you're an adult woman. You're an adult woman. Show some judgment. Like, and I just think about the amount of money she paid to this lawyer to read this meandering, rambling 40-minute statement that is just blaming everyone but herself. And it's it's sad. I don't know. I was totally there for it, to I, be I was honest. Too. I loved it, to be totally honest. I thought it was fantastic. <laughs> I, like, say what you will about her. She's a very good makeup artist. But honestly, like, for her history up until this point of being basically the least problematic YouTube, like, beauty blogger, she's really good at the drama, guys. I'm not going to (laughs) lie. Like, I was, I was, I was compelled. It's clearly performative because this would not be on YouTube otherwise. Absolutely. If this were, because she does imply that she is thinking of taking legal action. And at one point she says, like, I gave all of my evidence, basically my voice memos, my texts, my whatever, to my lawyers. Um, and it's kind of implied, like, this may be something she is pursuing legally. And if oh, that's yeah. the case, like, yeah, she can't sit here on YouTube and litigate every single instance and say Jeffree Star said this and Shane Dawson said this. But, like, if it's really going to go that route, why are you on here anyway? Why not just file a lawsuit? I mean, I agree exactly, except the fact is that all these people make their money off of YouTube, whether it's to use YouTube to promote their makeup brands or vitamin brands or, you know, collaborations with, you know, CoverGirl or whatever else or get invited to the Met Gala. Like, this is this is all of it. Um, Like, they make their living by performing, as you said. Yeah. So beyond this to me, because there's a tech angle to this. This is what I fundamentally don't understand. Simone, you told me you'd help me understand this. Oh, no. So so the allegations uh, against Shane that got him demonetized, uh, you know, uh, uh, Jada Pinkett Smith went off on Shane on Twitter and was talking about some some lewd comments that, you know, he made in a video to a picture of an 11 year old girl that clearly is just stomach churning. Um, So I understand that video being taken down. I understand YouTube saying we're not comfortable with that content. But am I incorrect to understand that generally speaking, his work for the last five years has been in line with YouTube? I mean, I, I don't understand why it was so pressing that they demonetized him now. Well, I think it's two things. One, YouTube did recently change their policy about what is acceptable and what isn't. And they have gone back and removed videos that would violate content. They've said they're not going to relitigate everything, but they have removed some. The second thing, and this is my own, and I don't even think this is a conspiracy theory. I think this just makes sense. 
Will Smith is probably the biggest, most prominent, like mainstream celebrity who has created a YouTube channel and YouTube. He was part of like YouTube's big push to try to get traditional celebrities on it. Like if people remember the terrible YouTube rewind that everyone like made the most disliked video in history was like he was featured prominently in it. When Will Smith's wife and son are coming at you because of something that one of your prime creators uh, did uh, about a photo of your daughter, I to me that gets like people of like Susan Wojcicki level and people like the you know the heads of, of advertising level going, okay, we have to take action because we can't risk pissing off Will Smith and his um, agents and all of their clients. They also have to think of branding because at one point in her in her in her second video, Tati does say like YouTube reached out to me to tell yeah. me to d- basically asked me to to you hide know, the video to hide the video because it was bad from an image perspective. And if they're reaching out, and granted, like the the, the Tati video by Sister Scandal was a big deal, and James Charles lost you know millions of subscribers at the time. It wasn't this level of cultural saturation right the new york times wrote about it but it wasn't like this level like it it did go mainstream but it wasn't to what this is so yeah i mean i think you're right i think it's braining for youtube but i think also frankly it's it's braining in the sense that okay you've now embarrassed us in front of somebody who we consider legitimately famous and legitimately important and punitive (laughs) and and now 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 we have to take action because honestly like I, i don't think that they care until the mainstream says something. I mean, it's, it's, you could say the exact same thing about PewDiePie, right? Like, they didn't yeah. care until the Wall Street Journal wrote what they wrote. Like, I'm going to have to give us a five-minute warning. Amanda, <laughs> I think I heard an intake of breath from you. Do you want to speak? Uh yeah, I was going to say one of the reasons I think that the the demonetization and and stuff has, has maybe come down on Shane the way that it has is because a lot of that old content was still up and monetized. Mm. Um, his his deeply messed up channel was still live. Um, and because he's had multiple channels, he has the main Shane Dawson and then he has, I think, two others. Don't quote me. I'm not a Shane Dawson fan. I don't know for sure. <laughs> but um, he still had these these at this point, eight to ten year old videos up that he had already come out and made half. Uh, half-baked apologies for already and they were still up getting views you know still part of his oeuvre Mm. and he only now has gone back and started deleting things and i think um part of what youtube did was branding part of it was punitive and also you know what at this point like what else are they gonna do yeah right (laughs) They can't kick them off the platform, no. uh, but but they but they can like say, okay, we're gonna not let you make money. Okay, so in Tati's video, she very much implied that like Jeffrey's gonna go like bananas about this and release dirt that he's allegedly blackmailed out of other people. Yeah, and she says that we should like preemptively maybe forgive the people that will be exposed, which is a buck wild thing to say. Mm. Uh, yeah, it's like it's, it's like no, no one's getting forgiven in this. Uh well, I mean, what will happen is people will just forget and move on. Yeah. Um but how many lo- how many more levels of this do you think continues? Is Jeffrey going to release a response? Is Shane like what happens next? Well, Shane already started screaming on Insta Live. Uh yeah, in which response, didn't come off well. It did not. It, he, it was bad. He real bad. He he dug that hole deeper. Um, I think Jeffrey will eventually respond. Right now, he's in an uncharacteristic silence. But my guess is things have escalated to the point where everybody's legal team is scrambling. Um, maybe not Shane's because they would have told him to keep it, his mouth shut. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> told his fiance to not tweet. Yeah, they would have told his fiance to not. His fiance, by the way, on the Insta Live where Shane was screaming and running around the house and saying nothing of substance, um, his fiance <laughs> told him like twice to get off of. <laughs> it's like, log like, off. Get off. He was of like, life. turn this off. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh so yeah, I think that this is, I mean, and Tati says in her video, like, this is in no way over, and I don't think it's over. I think that the, the huge thrust of it in terms of like, um, the amount of people who were chiming in, like, that'll die down until the next bombshell, which could be a leaked voice memo from the alleged victim, which could be Jeffree Star coming out with some video. I don't know if he will. I think he realizes he may be in, like, potential defamation defamation territory. Um, I don't know. I, I could, like, trying to, uh, to scry the contents of Jeffree Star's <laughs> mind from afar. It's like, <laughs> okay, so l- let me pose a, just an insane theory to everyone. Okay. Mm-hmm. I don't actually think this is true, but then there's a part of me who wonders, what if all of this, what if all four of them are in on this together 
And this has been just like a two year long like ruse to like starting with the first drama again to just like create content and publicity to sell a palette called Conspiracy, I might add, um, and, and, and to like perpetually like build up and sell their own stuff and to just like generate like breaking news, like New York Times headlines and keep them all in our consciousness. <laughs> I just, I had to say, Christina, like, as someone who grew up queer, I, this is just a Saturday night, like, <laughs> yeah. in the 20 year old gay dude world. I'm sorry. Oh, no, I, I, just, I don't disagree. Yeah, I, I, is, I've, yeah. I've seen a lot of this too. I'm just saying, like, this, I mean, like, the only thing that would give me pause of this theory is some of the allegations against James Charles. I'd be like, okay, but nobody would fake that. Yeah. Except these are all objectively not great people. So, mm-hmm. I, right. I don't know. So so what do we think? Is there any possibility that everyone is in on this together and this is like just like a reverse Truman show? I can't. No, I think they no. hate each other. No, I think you're talking about people that have the emotional growth of a four-year-old and they got very big uh, platforms at a young age. It stunted their growth developmentally and it's it's corrupted them. And I, I don't think it's much more complicated than that. Nobody is sophisticated enough to be that Machiavellian in this group. Right. Nobody's that good of an actor. And I mean, it's also like That's having, a shame. having seen <laughs> having seen um their their videos and their sort of performances and their personas, like nobody's that good at getting across their sincerity. That's so very true. For for it to be especially the particular group that is together now, like <laughs> Tati, no. I think Tati is certainly trying to use what she can as ammunition, but as, like, the lone woman in this situation who has definitely seen her career get hit. And I'm not saying, like, it shouldn't have been. I think that that right. video was a terrible idea. Um, the, the first one and possibly the second one, we'll see how it turns out. But, like, I think she had the most to lose and has lost some. Like, she is clearly not doing 100% great. And I right. think no matter what happens to Jeffree Star's already marred reputation, he's already rich, he's already diversified his business interests, he's fine. And Shane Dawson, like, even if he quit YouTube, if he just stuck to a halfway decent budget, he would be a millionaire for the rest of his life. So, like, no, I, I think these people genuinely do not like each other. And um, especially in Jeffrey's case, he wanted to take James Charles down and potentially did not mind using other people as cannon fodder to do it. Yep. Does Jeffree Star turn on Shane Dawson? Uh, it depends. I think it, uh, it depends on what else comes out, because if something comes out that Shane Dawson cannot ignore, like uh, more allegations of um, abusive behavior from from Jeffree Star and Shane decides he's a liability, yeah, he'll turn on Shane Dawson. But uh, they also might just be like folly ado at this point. Like they might be in it together forever. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> All right, Amanda, oh where can folks find you online? You can find me on Twitter at Amanda H. Jean. I've missed I've missed talking to you lately. I haven't seen you on Twitter in forever. It's good yeah, to talk I, to you again. I ran away to a K-pop side Twitter, so I don't have to look at like anything that's going on in the world. <laughs> <laughs> Because I just cry on Twitter all day, every day, doom oh. scrolling. <laughs> I it's still stunned that you are living the same life I did in 2014. But that's another podcast for another day. <laughs> um, thank you so much, Amanda, for coming on and explaining that mess to us. Uh, <laughs> thank you so much for having we, me. We, we will have links in the comments if any of you actually want to go down this ridiculous Ugh. rabbit hole that will ruin your mind, but also is a good way to spend a Saturday. Literally, yeah. the moment I have to open up all those links to put them in the document, my computer is going to crash because there's going to be too <laughs> many tabs open. Okay, so Christina, what are you doing this week? So I'm going to be uh, enjoying the the holiday weekend of sorts by watching the Eurovision movie again and probably again and again. And our fiscal year just got kicked off. And so there's just some kind of like stuff at work that I'm just kind of figuring out um, regarding that because that's always a fun time. And uh, that I think is it. I, I might clean my office. Who am I kidding? I'm not cleaning my office this weekend. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, I, I, I do need to get to that. I genuinely do. But like... I don't know. Oh, also, I'm going to I'm going to try to like play uh, we're not going to talk about it on the show, but I am going to try to start like playing like The Last of Us 2 this weekend, so we'll see how that goes. Godspeed, baby. Brianna, what about you? 
Well, you and Christina know the exciting thing that happened that I cannot talk about. Yes, um, yes. I feel like I, I usually don't talk about uh, this before it actually comes out, but uh, the piece is far enough through the editing process now that I feel like I can say this. Uh, I have a, a piece in the New York Times that's going to come out either this week or next week uh, on the uh, the Me Too reckoning that is happening in the game industry right now. Over 70 women have come forward with some very uh, concerning, sexual assault allegations everywhere from Twitch. Ubisoft in particular has really been hit with some very serious allegations. Two vice presidents have stepped down. The creative director of Assassin's Creed has stepped down. Um, It is a real S show. So uh, I have a piece coming out about that, which I'm very excited about. Also, uh, yes, I'm going to be playing Yaga Ding Dong all weekend long. Brianna, play Yaga Ding Dong. Ding dong. <laughs> All right. Nice. Um, yes. What am I doing this week? I'm conti- Quibi er, Speedrun. Speedrun's back this week, baby. So uh, we have very exciting news. We have a new correspondent on the show, Mari Takahashi, a.k.a. Atomic Mari, who you might know from Smosh back in the day. She's currently mm-hmm. independent, except that she's now working for us. So she's like our West Coast correspondent. She is a, she does video games. She is a ballerina. She's incredible, and I love her. But we were able to uh, post her entire debut episode to her YouTube channel, so if you've been like, oh, Simone keeps talking about this show on Quibi that she's working on, but I can't watch it because I was a fool and I missed my free trial sign up because uh, I didn't listen. You, good news. <laughs> you can just watch it on our channel. Um, and I, we are, I think, going to be able to post some other clips of the show to her channel, which is super exciting for me because I really oh, love wow. our new creative direction. And I'm happy that the show is back on the air after a two week break. And, uh, yeah, exciting things in store. That's awesome. Yeah, I'll drop the link in the show notes. Woohoo! Cool. Well, wow, folks, here we are. Christina, where can we find you online? So you can find me at film underscore girl on the Twitters and the Instagrams, although I'm not on the gram much uh, right now uh, because, you know, quarantine and whatnot. Uh, Although Washington State is sort of opening up, but anyway. And uh, you can find my videos at work at youtube.com slash Microsoft developer. Brianna, what about you? Uh, you can see me in the comment section of whatever the newest drama video will be when this comes out. <laughs> or you can see me on Brianna Wu on Twitter. Or you can email me at Brianna at hey.com. You can find me reporting Brianna's burner YouTube accounts to get them banned. <laughs> <laughs> on Twitter at Doom Quasar uh, and at YouTube.com slash Polygon. And of course, at Speedrun on Quibi. Thanks so much, everyone, for listening. I hope you liked it. Uh, please let us know by rating the podcast on Apple Podcasts or just tweeting at us. I don't care. You do you. Share the show, baby. We love it when that happens. Um, And thank you so much to Amanda for coming on and everyone for listening. This has been an episode of Rocket that is terminated. 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 